This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, and here at the Finding Holy Podcast, we want to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. This is a podcast for you if you long for a life that feels spacious, but you're stuck with dishes and laundry and a to-do list a mile long. This is a podcast for you if you long to integrate what you know with who you are and how you live. And this is a podcast for you if you need a gentle invitation into the ways of Jesus right in the middle of your actual life. So I hope you'll join me with authors, pastors, artists, and activists to hear how they connect the big things of life into the ordinary house habits of their days. And to help you on your journey, you'll just get one small step at the end of each episode to take with you into your week. You'll also get to hear my guests' laundry routines, because big things matter, but so does the laundry. Here's a little bit more about my guest today. K.J. Ramsey is a licensed professional counselor, writer, and recovering idealist who believes sorrow and joy coexist. Her writing has been published in Christianity Today, Relevant, Huffington Post, Fathom Magazine, Health Central, and other publications on the integration of theology, psychology, and spiritual formation. She and her husband live in Denver, Colorado. You can follow KJ's writing at kjramsey.com and across social media at kjramseywrites. And her book that we're talking about today is called This Too Shall Last. Enjoy this conversation. Friends, I am excited to welcome to the podcast my friend KJ Ramsey. She is the recent author of the book, This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. So thanks for being here, KJ. It is so fun to be with you. Yay. Excited. Great. Well, tell us a little bit about your story. of suffering, you know, we're going to, we're going to deep dive right in the beginning. Tell us why this is, you know, tell us your personal story a little bit so we can kind of work through this concept of suffering and grace and God's presence. Yeah. So I, I say that my story of suffering began in a way when I got sick 11 years ago, very suddenly as a 20 year old junior in college Within a matter of days, I went from healthy, super active, rock climbing, running, resident assistant to I could barely walk and couldn't open a book. And that pain never fully left and eventually mm-hmm. became diagnosed as ankylosing spondylitis, AS. A lot of syllables there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of syllables. You don't have to repeat it. It's okay. okay. AS. Uh-huh. And... But really, that suffering of the disease that I've lived with and felt viscerally every day for the last 11 years has actually helped me name that suffering has always been part of my story Mm -hmm. and has always been in my family and has helped me acknowledge that there have been wounds that 
have been aching for years that I didn't acknowledge. So, mm-hmm. so I always like to include that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes we can think, Oh, well, you know, if I don't have this major traumatic event, then my little losses don't matter. Right. Yeah. I think that we tend to approach suffering like we do most things through the lens of comparison mm-hmm. and uh, we like to distance ourselves from hard things. And the reality is we all have losses and limits in yeah. our lives. And I do hope that my book is an invitation to everyone to see theirs and to step into them as mm-hmm. a place where perhaps Christ is present. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, your your book is a great invitation to yeah, to those of us who are easily, you know, like the achiever type, like if I just try harder and if I work harder or, you know, if I keep doing all the right things and we can even do that in a very Christian faith-based way too, right? You know, if I just pray more, then God will bless me. And we believe that Christian life, right? It looks like always this kind of upwardly mobile trajectory. So where have you mm-hmm. found the goodness of suffering? What was that kind of step-by-step process look like for you? How do we start walking into acknowledgement and asking for Jesus to be present with us in those moments? Yeah. So I think it's important to first acknowledge that for me, finding grace hasn't been a once and for all experience. This is not, I found it and now I have it. Right. (laughs) It's on me. (laughs) Right. Right. It's that my suffering and your suffering, whether you want to call it small or large, all consuming or not, all of it is an invitation to turn and see our suffering savior. Mm -hmm. And I find over and over again, as I am willing to turn and be in my body and in my story as it is, instead of fixating all of my attention on escaping being where I am, Mm -hmm. I am more able and capable of seeing that Christ who died and is risen is with me and in me and, and suffering even bodily with me here. Mm-hmm. And that practically is a process of stopping over-spiritualizing everything mm-hmm. that I experience and paying attention to my body its sensations, my emotions, Mm -hmm. the people around me. Mm -hmm. And it is from this embodied earthbound place that (laughs) I can start to be surprised by the spirit of God in me and the sense of Christ's presence with me. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where, mm-hmm. that's where I start. Mm-hmm. We can tend to live like we're just, our bodies are kind of secondary, right, to who we really are. What practice maybe might you suggest for our listeners? What would be one practice to be able to stay present, like to our bodies or to be present in our pain? What does that look yeah. like for you? Yeah. So 
I over and over find that one of the simplest and most helpful practices is breath prayer Mm -hmm. because it connects us both to our bodies and to the reality that the breath of God, the spirit of God actually is within us and between us, among us, around us. Uh, So really simply breath prayer is when I am overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. when I feel triggered, when I feel abandoned, alone, I now it's almost like those feelings themselves are a prompt Mm -hmm. to practice this. Mm -hmm. And it's very simply taking deep breath. It's remembering to breathe first and foremost (laughs) and taking a deep breath in through my nose, out through my mouth, slowing the pace of my breathing. And often for me, I pair that breath in with the prayer Lord in my head and the exhale, have mercy. Mm -hmm. That simple. And what's really beautiful about breath prayer is that it offers you a way to extend the compassion of Christ to yourself where you are in a way that your body deeply needs. You don't just need the truth that Mm -hmm. God Mm -hmm. loves you. Mm -hmm. You need to experience it physiologically. And when you feel abandoned, you feel distress, you feel discouragement, that is a physiological experience Mm -hmm. that deserves care and attention. Mm-hmm. And and I know to say that makes it sound super complex, but it's seriously as simple as remembering to breathe and praying, Lord, have mercy. Yeah. And just doing that throughout your day when you feel overwhelmed. Yeah. It's we want things to be more complex than right. they are. <laughs> yeah. Because we we tend to be future oriented people. Right. We want to get past where we are. Mm-hmm. But the peace of God is only accessible in the present. Right. And you have been united to Christ. So peace dwells within you. Mm-hmm. So it's actually this paradox of being more present to the moment that we're in that expands our capacity to dwell in peace and right. to be peace and then to extend peace to everyone around us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, that's a challenge and it has so much possibility within it. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true because, you know, we can, you know, we can spiritualize that and talk about, okay, you know, in the past, Jesus's death and resurrection, and I can, you know, claim that on my behalf in the future, I'm headed towards heaven. And, but like, we have no connect right with our like actual daily lives about what does it look like to follow Jesus? And then we can do that too with a story of suffering, you know, if this hadn't happened or, you know, that we're kind of stuck back in a moment of trauma in the mm-hmm. past. Um, and so we hope to just kind of leapfrog over the present to leapfrog over our current expressions of suffering. Um, what would you say to encourage our listeners? Cause I mean, that's just a normal human thing. And so, you know, there's no good in like shaming ourselves and being like, I'm ridiculous for trying to leapfrog over you know, these mm-hmm. moments of suffering or the, the sense of trauma being embedded in our bodies. But how do, how do we take steps uh, to, to stay in it and then also to reach out to people? Hmm. Yeah, I think 
it does begin, like you said, you don't want people to feel shame that this is our our natural tendency to leapfrog over our present and over right. our pain. And so I think beginning there and acknowledging that's what you want to do mm-hmm. and that that is so human because also part of how God made us is that we, we weren't made for pain mm-hmm. and we were made for love. And so there's a reason why you want relief. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that you feel fear. Mm-hmm. And I think it being able to acknowledge that these responses that we have of wanting relief and wanting to escape are also part of how God created us um, can extinguish some of the shame of okay, well, I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing faith right if Mm -hmm. I only want to get out of the place Mm -hmm. I am in. Mm -hmm. So I think naming that we feel this anguish and anxiety about being in our skin and being in our stories is actually a powerful first step. Mm -hmm. That is great. Yeah, because if we are able to actually put a name to it, then we can acknowledge it and then we can deal with it. Right. Usually we don't name it we just very quickly uh, seek relief. So, and, and it's often the main way we know how to express our faith. Right. But we, by not naming the emotional experience happening within that expression of faith, asking God for help, um, we miss a lot of where God could comfort us. Hmm. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah. I think one one part I really enjoyed about your book was uh, the sense of community. Um, You tell a story about Kevin and Lisa, and maybe you can just recap that for our listeners, but, you know, that they didn't fear you write the darkness, but they they named it together. And I think that's really powerful. Um, Why do we need this sort of communal knowing and this this community to come alongside us when we're suffering or you know when other people are suffering yeah well i'll start with that why yeah. and then share a little bit about kevin and lisa uh the why is because as much as we would like to think that we are individuals right <laughs> we're not yeah uh, we have this myth of being autonomous selves but from the Mm. moment that we come into being we are relational and we are dependent on one another Mm -hmm. and that is not a bad thing that is a beautiful thing yeah and that's actually probably one of the central themes of this book is that we get to suffering actually invites us to recover our our humanity in that we need one another and suffering forces you to acknowledge and affirm and embrace your need. Yeah. Yeah. And because you can't do it on your own. So the story that you brought up, Kevin and Lisa, it's actually the um, one year anniversary of Kevin's death. Mm. Uh, So it's kind of special to be able to talk about (laughs) him a little bit. My husband and I, in the first couple years of my disease, we started to realize we both were sick. Mm-hmm. We we really had thought like 
approached our stuff, my suffering, like I'm the one who's sick. I'm the one with the disease who can't work and has all these problems and pain. And we quickly were realizing this affects him too. Mm -hmm. And, and so we went over to Kevin and Lisa's house and they treated us with such care. They were not anxious about what we shared with them. They listened Mm. and they listened long and they named what we were doing right. And they shared their own story of depression and loss and named that if Ryan wasn't depressed, they would be worried <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in light of all that we were living through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that space they made for us made space for Ryan and I to not treat each other like enemies, mm-hmm. but as, as friends and it, it really put us on a different path. Friends, we will be right back in just a minute with the rest of our conversation. I wanted to let you know about a great deal for listeners of the Finding Holy podcast. I'm partnering with Faithful Counseling. If you're looking for a biblically-based and licensed counselor to help walk through your own seasons of loss or suffering, anxiety, or just stuff that's been brought to the surface through this COVID-19 pandemic, they will be such a good fit for you. All you have to do is hop on over to getfaithful.com slash findingholy. That's getfaithful.com slash findingholy to get a discount on your first session. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. And here is the rest of my conversation with KJ Ramsey. How do we, you know, be present for people that we know are hurting? I mean, some of us um, are, are, you know, either through our own suffering and we are acquainted with grief. Um, well, with that first step that you just said, reaching out, actually saying, I want to hear your story. Like I talked about with the story with Kevin and Lisa, they received us, uh, they welcomed our story and they were not anxious about it. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I believe that our anxiety is often a great barrier to Mm -hmm. our experience of acceptance with one Mm -hmm. another. So it's not that you have to 
annihilate the anxiety that you feel about what's happening in this person's life and how that could happen to you and you don't have it. You don't know what to say to them. You don't know how to help. You can't get rid of that anxiety. It's there. It's part of being human. It's okay. But please name it. Try to be aware of how you feel when you approach those who are suffering. Yeah. The, the feeling, the sense that you have when you try to talk to someone, whether it is about racial trauma or depression or disease, the sense that you don't know what to say and you're afraid of messing up, you yeah. get to acknowledge that. And by right. acknowledging that within yourself and sometimes even naming it with the person that you're yeah. with, not so they can fix it, but just so that it's broached. Yeah, that actually alleviates the anxiety, the power, right? right. And, and you're not making the power. You're not making the other person deal with your anxiety either, right? Yeah, yeah. we just yeah. we're naming what's there. Yeah, and it's it's not always like you have to name that to the person that you're trying to support, mm-hmm. but to acknowledge it within yourself has great mm-hmm. power, mm-hmm. and yeah, it actually brings you closer to the people that you are trying to comfort because it puts you on the same ground. It's actually, you feel anxiety about where they're at and how that could happen to you, but they feel anxiety about their life too. And you're actually more similar than you think. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think being willing to name anxiety and to have awkwardness be part of our interactions. Mm -hmm. Awkwardness is like embrace how awkward it feels (laughs) support each other. Yeah. Like the best friendships of my life have been formed through series of awkward interactions. (laughs) That's good. That's good. I love it. I talk a lot about, yeah, having awkward conversations as the beginning of hospitality too. So, you know, I think, and rather that whether it's like hospitality, like having people in your home or you're just being like a hospitable presence, you know, to someone in, in pain or suffering. You, and you talk about hospitality. One thing I liked, you said, you know, about showing hospitality to our own weakness. Yeah. Hospitality toward our own weakness is a, for this context, I'm as like a spiritual discipline yeah. in response to the hospitality of Christ to mm-hmm. come near to us and embody to be embodied, to suffer, we tend to treat our weakness as a sign of either our failure or God's absence. If he really loved us, we wouldn't be this weak and we wouldn't feel this much pain. And it's, we have to be willing to set that story down yeah. and remember the the truer story as evidenced in scripture of God's solidarity with us humans to become one of us. Mm-hmm. So actively showing hospitality to our weakness means not shaming ourselves for how emotional, distressed, discouraged we really are Mm -hmm. in any given moment. It's setting down the the script and the sword of shame 
which is like often I should be better than this. I should have more faith than this. I'm stupid. I ruined everything. These, mm-hmm. these scripts mm-hmm. in our head, setting that down and instead bearing witness to what we are feeling and sensing, like noticing I feel discouraged. My chest is pounding. I'm afraid. And it's from that acknowledgement mm-hmm. and naming mm-hmm. that we get to be honest with God about where we are. Mm-hmm. And I find the Psalms as a mm-hmm. adequate and beautiful place to give us language for how to do that and mm-hmm. to show us that it's actually good and welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's let's great. start. Yeah. So what have been some of the gifts that you've noticed in your own suffering? Yeah, I bristle against the word gifts because I think that we as Christians uh, have assigned the language of gifts to suffering too quickly. Right. And it keeps us from experiencing experiencing and expressing the grit of what it actually feels like to suffer. Um, So I always have to, I always feel the need to acknowledge that. No, I appreciate that. Anyone ask me that? Right. Um, Um, But I will answer I will answer that. Yeah, I think maybe what I'm getting at with that question is, you know, what encouragement might you give to us to move through suffering well? so that we can see the way yeah. in which what's the point yeah why does this matter and why why should you actually live like i'm we've been talking about living yeah yeah and and the reason is because jesus is here the reason is that god so loved us that christ chose to live in a human body with human emotions, human lungs, human eyes that cried and went all the way to the experience of death so that in every single part of our lives, we could know and feel and walk in his presence. Mm -hmm. And, And Suffering is an invitation to wake up to the God who is here. Mm -hmm. Because often in our hurried lives, we simply don't have space to pay attention to this God and pay attention to the story and that it's ours. But suffering because it slows us down and because it hurts, it's like, it's a sensation that makes you pay attention. Like if you pinch your arm right now, you feel it. It wakes you up. Mm-hmm. This is an invitation to wake up mm-hmm. to the God who really is here. And by paying attention to yourself and story and how it matters, you will get to experience this God and his great love and you will become a person who no longer is ruled by shame and scarcity, but is compelled by and filled by the love of Christ. That will become your experience as you turn day by day 
to be present to yourself and your story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have experienced that and I experience it over and over again. And my life is pervaded by joy in this body that hurts. Yeah. It's a paradox and it's, and it's beautiful. Mm. Well, thank you. That's so, it's really encouraging um, to hear. So thank you for showing us one way through, you know. So we do like to end all of the episodes here with hearing your laundry routine because I love Kathleen Norris. You love Kathleen Norris. And I think Mm -hmm. as we pay attention to our quotidian mysteries, we connect with the things of God. So what's your laundry routine? (laughs) Okay, I just have to acknowledge that I love so much that you tie that to Kathleen Norris because she is my absolute favorite author ever and for always. Um, Okay. Our laundry routine is that the laundry piles up in part because that's how we are. Yeah. But in part because we live in a little apartment and we have coin operated laundry that's down in a dark basement in the next building over. Yeah. And so, and right now we're in a pandemic and I'm high risk. So my husband uh, takes the laundry down there because it's like an enclosed space. It's a little too unsafe if another neighbor walks in. Yeah. It's just like too much potential there for spreading stuff. So he takes it down. <clears throat> and that's also in part because like it's hard for me to carry laundry baskets. Yeah. It's just difficult on my hands and my shoulders. But, um, and then it brings it back, dumps it all on our bed. Usually I do most of the folding. He would probably object to that. (laughs) Um, And I try to put it away right away. Uh, But yeah, that's the current laundry routine. Nice. Very shared. Yeah. Good job. Figuring out how to make it happen and not get COVID-19. Well done. (laughs) Yeah. Every little thing like that requires a little bit of extra planning and care than it used to. But Somehow our clothes keep being clean. Isn't that great? It's still the order from chaos, even in the midst yes. of a lot of chaos, internally and externally. So thank you so yes. much for being with us, KJ. Thanks. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with KJ Ramsey. I'd encourage you to click over, listen to the episodes that she released along with her book on her podcast. Pick up a copy of her book, This Too Shall Last, and be sure to connect with KJ on Instagram and Twitter. She is a great source of encouragement, especially if you find yourself in a place of suffering, lament, or loss, and we all do. So I want to leave you, friends, with one small step as we go into our week, as we feel overwhelmed, and it's simply to pay attention to those moments that you feel overwhelmed. I want you to write those down, whether you're overwhelmed emotionally, if you're overwhelmed intellectually, your mind won't stop spinning at night, whether you find yourself overwhelmed with Facebook, just pay attention to your overwhelm as just one simple emotion to take note of. Maybe you do it through the rest of your day and pay attention to those triggers. And then in those moments of triggering, I want you to practice a breath prayer. 
like KJ said, our bodies, minds, souls, and spirits are one thing, right? We are fully embodied people. And especially during most of our interactions happening behind screens and stuff now during the global health pandemic with COVID-19, it can be hard to feel fully integrated. Breath prayer is one way in which we can integrate all the parts of ourselves as well as bring our whole selves to God. And so I would encourage you to maybe take a verse from a psalm. Maybe it's the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And as you breathe in, breathe in those lines, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I hope that that can bring you into a wider space of equilibrium. It will grow your compassion and it can be something small that you can use and take into your week. We need more than ever truth tellers who are gracious storytellers, who are able to ask good questions. And that's one reason why I started the Finding Holy podcast. I want to ask good questions. And I hope that as you've listened, you've enjoyed. So we, if you wouldn't mind just taking a minute to rate and review the podcast, that'll help other people find it as well. And could you help me out just for a second, friends? Here at the Finding Holy Podcast, we want to create great content. We want to create great conversations because we believe deeply that these things matter. So will you just click on over, swipe over, hit that link to take a two-minute survey. It's just a two-minute survey. It will help us here at the Finding Holy Podcast as well as a whole host of others associated with the Christianity Today Podcast Network be able to serve you better. And if you do that for me and make sure you subscribe to my newsletter, I am giving away a couple copies of my book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs. I would love to give you one. Please fill out that survey as you can. Thanks as always for being here. It's been a pleasure. And remember, big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by The Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.